You are listening to the Tom Eliff Podcast. Tom Eliff pastored for 42 years and was also the president of the International Mission Board and the Southern Baptist Convention. He is the founder of Living Word Publications. Now, here is Tom Eliff. As we read this passage of scripture, you follow along in your Bible. And once again, visitors, thank you for being here. And I'm really excited. I mean, the Lord is certainly, what a, what a great crowd this evening. And as Brother Don said, we have probably four or 500 uh, children and their parents or their workers over in our Awana program this evening. It begins, and we're really excited about that as well. The Apostle Paul has just unloaded a bombshell by means of a letter to the Christians in Galatia. He has said, if any man preaches a different gospel, let him be accursed. And then he goes on to say, whether it's an angel from heaven, whether it be us, as a matter of fact, he said, even anybody there, if he preaches a different gospel, let that man be accursed. Those are awfully strong words. And of course, because they have come in the form of a letter, he knows that the tendency of the people might be to say, well, Paul is saying this, but he's only saying it to please men. And he's going to ask this question about whether he's doing it to please men or God. Whom, whom does he serve? Does he serve God or does he serve men? Those are very, very strong words. The different gospel, you will remember, is any gospel which says that anything other than repentance of sin and faith in Christ is necessary for salvation. The different gospel had to do with works, specifically in their case, uh, works of the law in addition to the simple faith message of the gospel. And so he asked this question in verse 10, for do I now persuade men? Some of you may have um, a more a contemporary rendition of that. Do I now seek the favor of men? The word uh, there is very interesting in the original language. Do I curry the favor or am I trying to convince men to be pleased with what I'm doing? Or do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? And the word that is used there for seek is a word which means do I strive? Am I giving myself in an earnest effort with this goal in sight? I want to please men. Or do I seek to please men? This question. For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. That commentary, rather. If I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Father, I pray that uh, as we meditate in these next few moments upon your word, as we walk back and forth through this verse, that you would open the truth of this verse to us. And Father, you know the many needs of people like this city in Brazil where Kevin and Dr. Harvey have been ministering. We think about the many people in our nation who have um, found themselves today homeless, uh, with tremendous needs, no clothing, food, basic needs, Heavenly Father, because of the devastation of a physical disaster in the southern part of our nation. And Father, we pray for them. We pray for uh, the witness that will take place during these days. Father, we ask that you would also honor our heart's desires. We lift up to you the very names of people who are on this prayer list that we have here in our church. We ask that you minister to them as well. And then open the scripture to us tonight, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Be seated, please. But let me ask you, if you will, to keep your Bible open to the 10th verse of the first chapter of the book of Galatians. The churches in Galatia were practicing a perverted kind of Christianity. 
They had been people who were steeped in the law. They embraced the message that a person is actually saved by grace through faith. But then they were returning to the idea that in order to know Christ, you really had to be a good Jew. Even if you were a man, you had to be circumcised in order to have eternal life. And so the Apostle Paul is writing these people saying, how is it that you so rapidly, since your conversion, have fallen away from the true gospel? And so he speaks about this different gospel and says, it'd be such a tragedy for anybody to preach that kind of gospel that if a man does it, anybody, including an angel from heaven, or the Apostle Paul said, even if I did it, I would be a perpetrator of death because... I would be steering people in the wrong way when it comes to this whole issue of eternal life and how you know Christ. And so he said, I would be moving away from the simplicity of the gospel. And then almost as a means of letting the Christians in Galatia know where he stands on this, he says, I want you to know that's not the kind of statement, let him be accursed. That's not the kind of statement that I would make if I were seeking to make you happy or if I were seeking to make any other group of men happy. I mean, the question is, do you really think that I'm seeking to please men, or don't you know I am seeking to please God? And even if you don't like the, the chastening with this pen, even if you don't like the stern rebuke or the tone of this letter, I want you to know that I'm not writing this necessarily to gain your favor, to curry your sympathies. I'm writing this because one day I must give an account of my life and my ministry, I must give an account of that before the Lord God himself. And so I'm seeking to be the bond slave of the Lord. Now, this gives rise to a question which I, I want you to help answer this evening. It is a question about yourself. I think in particular of our, our university students, many of whom uh, perhaps are back on campus after having been with parents, maybe being back in their hometown, uh, during the summertime. And of course, there you're in an environment where everybody knows you. They know a lot about you. And you have an opportunity now in just a matter of very few short days or weeks to establish a reputation. And the question is going to be, whom do you serve, really? And that's the title of the message. Whom do you serve, really? Now, I know that all of us would like to say, hey, you know, there's no question about it. I serve the Lord God. But we're going to probe that just a little more deeply in these next few moments. So with your Bible open to this first chapter of Galatians, let me ask you to ask of yourself a couple of questions. And then from your answer to those two questions, let me ask you to make an assessment of your service. And you'll discover whether you are living to serve God or whether you are living as a man-pleaser as opposed to being a God-pleaser. Now, there is a progression in this verse. In this verse, we see the progression from wishing to have the favor of man to actually working so that you might have the favor of man to the point that actually you end up becoming a slave to man rather than God. And he, of course, uses the word here, bond slave. A bond slave is different than a servant who shows up and punches the clock nine to five, or even a slave who belongs to a master but uh, will come at the end of a seven-year period uh, of his slavery. 
A bond slave is someone who's come to the end of that seven-year period, by all rights could go free, but he looks around and says, there's no one else whom I'd rather serve. There's no one else whom I trust any more than this master of mine. And I suppose there's no one else with whom I can identify. His goals have become my goals, and I know that he's going to take care of me. And so he would go to the master and say, I want to be your bond slave. And when that would occur, they would take the man to the doorpost. They would stretch the lobe of his ear across that post. They would take a sharp instrument. They would thrust that instrument through the earlobe, piercing that earlobe, leaving a mark. That mark was called the stigmata. We get our word stigma from that word. And it indicated that that man was a bond slave. When people saw that mark, instead of saying, my, what a good slave he must be, they would say, what a good master he must have, because he could have gone free. But by his own volition, by his own choice, he has chosen that master. Paul said, I am the bond slave, the word doulos. I am a bond slave of Jesus. I could have, I could have been free from his control. But I love him. There's no one else I'd rather serve, no one else I trust more, no one else to whom I want to give my life for the rest of my life on earth and for all eternity than Christ. And so he said, I bear in my body the brand marks of Christ. And he considered the scars and the wounds that he had received. He, he had been beaten many times. He had been stoned on more than one occasion with huge rocks and left for dead. And so the Apostle Paul said, these are like the stigmata. These are the, the brand marks. These remind me that I am the bond slave of Jesus. I want you to ask this question. Whom do you serve, really? I mean, really, whom do you serve? All right, here's the first question. It has to do with the first statement in verse 10. Do I consciously desire the favor of men more than the favor of God? Do I consciously desire the favor of men more than the favor of God? Now, you high school students and, and university students in particular, uh, let me just give you a test that I, I believe every one of us ought to take uh, frequently. And it's a test of your service. You could ask a question like this. How much of what I do for God... Would I really do for God if I knew that really only God would be the only one who knew that I did it? Do you get the picture? I mean, how much would I really do if God was the only one who would ever know what I did? Now, I believe there are a lot of people who would weed out a lot of things that they do because, you know, I, the, the truth of the matter is we say we do this for God but the truth of the matter is, we have a tendency to say, well, I'll do that for God if others will find out that I'm doing it for God or if others will thank me for doing it and tell me what a fine Christian I am and, and how dedicated I am and how, how much I love God. And so look with me at the first phrase of verse 10. For do I now persuade men or God? And as I said a few moments ago, the word persuade really means do I seek the favor of or try to curry the favor of men or of God. Whose opinion counts to me? And so that's the question that you should ask. Who, is it God or is it man? Consciously. God or man? Now, I can tell you right off the bat that there is an easy way for you to discern the answer to that question. And it, it has to do with how much time you spend in the Bible every day. You see, a person who really serves God and wants to please God, 
is a person who knows that the only way to find God's opinion of you is by looking at the Word of God, which is like a mirror. It reflects what God thinks of you back to you. It shows you what God sees. A mirror physically shows you what other people see when they look at you. This shows you what God sees when He looks at you. Anyone who does not spend time consistently in the Word of God really cares more about the favor of men than of God. Now, I'll just I'll, that, that's just as, as clear a truth and as definite a truth as you will ever hear from this pulpit. And that is that if you don't care much for the Word of God, it is just logical to conclude that you care more about what a man thinks of you or men think of you, your fellow classmates think of you, your, your parents, your friends, your boss, your company. You care more what they think of you than, than what God thinks of you. Now, Paul is not saying go out and make enemies of men so, and, and by that you can tell that you're really pleasing God. This is the same Apostle Paul who said, I am all things to all men so that by some means I might have the privilege of leading some of them to Christ. He is the one who writes about not being an offense to other people, and yet he knows that there is in the gospel, there are going to be times when it is not peace, but it is a sword. But you cannot say, I care most to serve and to please God if you do not spend time looking in the Word of God, seeking His opinion, of what you do as opposed to man's opinion, what you do. And I know many people who would rather talk or pick up the telephone and converse with other people. They would much rather do that than they would spend time in the Word of God and time in prayer. And that will tell you exactly whom you want to please the most, whose opinion really matters to you. Now, the reason I addressed these university students a few moments ago is because one of the hardest places to have a quiet time consistently is on a university campus. I could just tell you right off the bat that if you've enjoyed a nice summer where you could get up and steal away in some little quiet spot and have your quiet time with the Lord, it is very, very, very difficult on a university campus because most people around you will not understand your need of that. You may have to say to your roommate, hey, look, this is just a habit of mine. This is, this is where I want to be. I'll respect your place. If you'll respect my place, this is what I'm going to do. I just need time with God. But the first question is this. It has to do with your desire. Do you desire the favor of God or man? Which is most important to you? I know of people who could care less what God says as long as they've got friends. You remember the story about the young violinist who was performing his first concert of any great length, and he performed beautifully, impeccably, flawlessly on the violin, the crowd rose with thunderous applause, and, and the look on his face was not one of gratitude, but it was almost distraction. He was furtively searching through the crowd and looking, looking, squinting up toward a little corner up in the balcony. And with that, the curtain rang down, and the people kept applauding. He came back out, and it was almost as if they were not here. He kept squinting and looking up in the balcony, and someone asked, what? What is the matter with him? Does he not know these people are at his feet? He has them in the palm of his hand. I mean, they, they adore him. To which his mother, who was standing in the wing, said, 
he's glad for that, but there's just one person's opinion he really cares about, and that is the master violinist who taught him. And until he sees his face, he will not really know how he did. And finally, that young boy got the face of the master, and uh, with a smile, the master acknowledged that he too thought it was a good job, and the boy's heart was at peace. But I know of many people who would far rather have the acclaim of men than the acclaim of God. So the first question has to do with what do you wish for the most? For what do you wish? What do you desire? The, the favor of God, the favor of man. All right, the second question. What are you working for the most uh, strenuously? Notice the, the, the phrase here. Or do I seek to please men? Here the word means do I strive? Am I wrestling with this issue of pleasing men? Have I bent myself to do things that will please men? Do I seek to please men? I want to earn the favor of man. Let me just pause here to say that one of the secrets of a happy, successful, married life rests in this statement and the principle around it. Whether you are working to please God or man, why do I say that? Because men, for instance, husbands, have a tendency sometimes just by the very way that they are to, to put wives in bondage. She will work all day long on her hands and knees, maybe. I mean, just, just to please him. And he will come home, and instead of looking down at what she's done, he'll look at the top of the refrigerator and comment on the dust that's up there. And um, th 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 this goes on for weeks and, and for months and for years. And after a while, if she's not careful, she will fall into this business of, I'm trying so hard to please him. Wives can put their husband in that same bondage to the point that he tries everything to please her. He tries not being involved in recreation. She says, you ought to get rid of that pot belly. He tries being involved in recreation. She says, you play too much softball. And he want, how can I please her? Not enough time with the kids, too much time with the kids. They got to do their homework. And, and pretty soon, both of them are upset with each other because in their mind, their big goal is pleasing a husband or pleasing a wife the most. And they are striving, really, to please men. Let me tell you what will set you free. If you and your partner can wake up to the fact that you really have one responsibility, and that's pleasing God. And to the extent that you see that it is God whom you should please, you will, in essence, minister the best to one another. I say to couples when they come in for counseling, you know, the best place in your heart for your husband or wife is second place, provided God's in first place. Because if you're seeking to please God, God is going to take care of your partner's needs. But, but we, I've seen people who struggle. I, I've seen athletes their whole life unless they've had a Christian coach who can sit down and say, listen, there is a sense of ministry in this and you better learn that it is God whom you should please the most, their whole life will rise or fall on whether they can please men. I've seen this happen in a corporation. I talked to a man one time who was getting ready to take his life because he couldn't please his boss. Now, we ought to be diligent. We ought to do the work. We ought not to be sloppy. And the worst thing you can say is, I don't care what you think I'm trying to please God. That statement is not pleasing to God because he's put you under authority. 
He wants you to work. He wants you to do your job. That's one of the things you do. Paul said, slaves, you be good slaves. Masters, you be good masters. And by the way, when they both got good at that, they destroyed the whole issue of slavery, any place that was really practiced properly. The despicable issue of slavery would just crumble when masters really did and slaves really did their work is unto the Lord. They saw there was no need for that relationship of master-slave. And so, who, who, who are you striving the most to please? Who are you working for to please the most? Now, this brings me to this final comment, and that is, if you desire the favor of God, and if you are determined to get a uh, uh, favor of man, excuse me, if you desire the favor of man more than God, and if you're determined to get the favor of man more than God, then this third statement, if that's the case, then you have dedicated your service to man and not God. You're a slave of man. You have a man-fearing, man-pleasing spirit. Notice what he says. For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. In other words, if I was working, striving, most concerned about making some man happy, some group of men happy, some theological group happy, if I was working the most on that, then I'm not working and dedicating my services to God, but to man. And when you do that, you start compromising. You start doing the things that you think that group or that person wants you to do. And it will lead you to a life of depression because you will never be able to make them ultimately happy. Because you see, it's very hard for us to love as unconditionally as God loves. He just loves and accepts. And, and corporations don't love unconditionally. And people may try, but they don't love unconditionally as they ought to. But God loves you unconditionally. There's not a thing you can do to make him love you more today, not a thing you can fail to do to make him love you less. He loves you. He may not like the way you've done things, and he may discipline you because of it, but he loves you and accepts you unconditionally. But if you are taking that unconditional love of his as a freedom to give yourself to getting the acclaim of man, you're going to be a depressed and compromising person. You're constantly going to be accommodating. See, that was what he was afraid of. The apostle Paul was afraid. They were saying, Paul is just trying to make the guys in Jerusalem happy. And he was saying, I'm telling you, those words come from a man who's putting his life on the limb for God and nobody else. And the Scripture abounds with examples of this. And I want to remind you of, of old Daniel who got in the lion's den because he sought to please God more than to please man. If he wanted to please man, he could have been out of the lion's den. Or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who said, if God wants to deliver us, that's fine. If he doesn't, we're going to go up and smoke loving God because he's the one to whom we must give an ultimate account. He is the one whose pleasure is most important to us, whose favor is most important to us. Whom do you serve? Really, whom do you serve? God or man? You see, it's right here in the Scripture, those probing questions from subtle wish to striving to becoming the bond slave of either man or God. Whom do you serve? Let's pray together. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Just a few moments we're going to stand. Our praise singers are going to lead us in a time of invitation. We're going to sing with them. And I'd like for us to sing, I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. A simple chorus. No turning back. I'm deciding to follow Jesus. And I'm going to ask you to come to this altar if your heart's desire is to, to be a, a God-pleaser rather than a man-pleaser.
to do your work, your school work, your student work, your work work, your world work. Unto God, I would encourage you maybe to just slip out in just a few moments, come to this altar and kneel and say, Lord, I want to be a God pleaser. I don't want to live as a man pleaser. I don't want to live a life of compromise and disillusionment. It's your word of approval I'm seeking. You're well done. That means most to me. If you're not a member of this church, maybe you're just in this community, maybe you're just here for your days as a student. Well, I would urge you, as God speaks to your heart, just step out the aisle, make your way forward, come under the protection, the watch care of this, make this your church home. Maybe you've come here to go to school, make this your church home while you're here as a student, serve the Lord, get involved in our campus ministry, the ministry of this church. Could be that you're here as a family, maybe here by yourself. God's spoken to you, said this is the church where you belong. We'll come on to this altar. If you've made a decision in this church recently, maybe like these folks who are baptized tonight and we've not introduced you to the church, I'm going to ask you on the very first stanza just to make your way to this altar, make your way over here where it says seating for new members over to my left to your right. Be seated there so we can introduce you to your new church family. If you'd like to know Christ as your Savior, you're not sure whether you have eternal life and you'd like to know how to have eternal life, sins forgiven, to be Christ's bond slave, sold out to him. I would urge you to come and say to a counselor, look, I, I want to trust Jesus or I want to know what it means to be saved. And they'll talk with you quietly and privately in a matter of moments. You can go away from here tonight knowing that you have eternal life. It's available for you. Father, I pray your Holy Spirit will bring many to this altar to say yes to you tonight, to please you, not man, not even themselves, but you. And Father, I pray your Holy Spirit would give them boldness and decisiveness in these moments. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.